Good day, everyone, and welcome to the Libertarian Social Democracy Podcast, aka LSD. I'm Brad Cultural, and I'm here with Matthew Bump. And uh, this is our first podcast, and we're kind of just going to give you a lowdown of who we are and how we met each other and you know, why we are doing this podcast in the first place. And then uh, after that, we're going to get into a very um, obvious and basic libertarian concept, which is the NAP or the non-aggression principle. But uh, first, let's go into who we are. Um, Like I said, my name is Brad. Um, I was born and raised in Janesville, Wisconsin, and now I'm currently living in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I've always uh, have been, um, I guess I've always been pretty libertarian. I guess I just never realized it, but uh, I believe that personally that government has taken a toll on people in this country in very bad ways more than good, Um, and I'm kind of here well, I am here actually to discuss, you know, things I think could and should be changed and make things better for um, everybody else. Um, and then, yeah, here's Matt. <clears throat> All right. So my name is Matthew Bump. I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I've lived here pretty much my whole life, aside from a few months in random places. Um, let's see. Yeah, so I'm I'm more of a, a leftist, uh, and Brad is kind of center right. Would you say? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, reason why I'm doing this is to show uh, how a constructive dialogue can go between people with two different ideologies, uh, where your principles don't necessarily have to. Uh, be uh let's see sacrificed i guess yes yes um yeah. you know i think that um you know just because you are you know you label yourself sometimes socialist or sometimes libertarian left and i'm libertarian right that that doesn't mean that we can't work together to come together on problems and you know create better solutions for this country and i think that's you know, what's lacking in today's politics in the United States. We, we all share a common plight in terms of our income and our working conditions, our roads, just the overall functioning of our nation, you know, and our states and our local economies and everything. So we'll, we'll definitely be talking about that at some point. Um. I also want to say, uh, um, the way Matthew and I met is actually a pretty interesting story in itself. Um, about in 2017, we were both on probation and we both had probation violations and Matthew and I had met in a facility called Milwaukee Secure Detention Facility, which we'll call MSDF from here on out. But, um, it basically is a, a holding facility or detention facility rather for, um, People that are on are on felony probation that have violated their probation and not necessarily. It, Remember, people can be put there on false allegations. Yes, that is true. Yeah, I mean we can go 
I mean, the probation system here in Wisconsin is a giant joke, in my opinion. Um, the There's been people I've met in MSDF that have been there for a year, and MSDF is classified as a state prison. However, you don't get you know any fresh air or sunlight. You don't get to go outside like you do in a, in a normal prison. There isn't even a window to see actual sunlight. Yes, the window you have in your cell is basically just a window to the maintenance hallway that the maintenance guys walk through and work on lights and the air conditioning and the heat and such and such. So you basically got 50 people and in the morning time, everybody's fighting for phones. Not really fighting, but, you know, uh, it's you're, you're locked in your cell for what, like 19 hours a day, right? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Yeah, depending on where, what floor you're on. But basically, it's a prison, and it's just really, really crappy. And it's where people sit and wait to find out whether they're going to an actual prison. And this place has had a lot of fatalities over the years. Uh, definitely above average, I believe. Um, yeah, so... Uh, it's an interesting story that we met there, of course. Um, I basically got screwed over by the system. We'll cover that at a later point. But, um, yeah, so this is where we first discussed politics, though. We were um, talking about science and Carl Sagan, I believe, and then we just started talking about other things with some other people there, and... Yeah, from there we just started talking, and he was the only person, uh, the first person in my entire time that actually got out and then wrote me when I was still locked up. So I appreciate that. Oh, absolutely. This letter envelope is protected by Alex Jones. <laughs> yeah, he sent me memes in prison. Like he sent me an Alex Jones meme where it was like him holding a sniper, like a like a fifty cal, and then another one where it was like raining and. Alex Jones had an umbrella and he was protecting these kids from things that were raining and it said gay frogs, uh, globalist. globalist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it, was, it was great. It was great. But, so, um, but to get an idea of where Matt and I agree and disagree, um, I don't know if any of you are familiar with the political compass. Um, there's the traditional political compass where it's just a line that goes from left to right. And then there's kind of the new age political compass where there's an economic scale that goes from left to right. And then there's a social scale that goes up and down. And the on the social scale, if you're further up, that means you have higher authority on for... Or you're authoritarian in your... Uh, political opinions, essentially. Yeah, and then um, the further down you are, the more liberal or libertarian you are as far as, you know, polit social political things and, you know, politics in general. Belief in force, basically. The lower you are on that, on that uh, compass, the less uh, force you believe in with your views, I guess. Like, for example, um, something highly authoritarian would be taking away the second amendment yeah like completely or taking away any amendment like completely um 
trying to do it by executive order. Like, if that was something you believed in, like, you'd be very authoritarian. So you'd be way up on the, or way up above the, the line that uh, basically cuts off the, I guess, libertarian versus authoritarian. Uh, and then there's the um, the scale that goes from left to right, and that represents the economic scale. Um, if you're more to the right, then you're more of a free market. You believe more in the free market and individualism. And if you fall more to the left, then you believe more in um, a government-regulated economy and a, a collectivism type of um, economy. Um, as far as where Matthew and I stand, um, we pretty much all agree on social, like the on the social scale. You know, we both believe thoroughly that marijuana should be fully legalized for recreational use. Um, we both believe in the Second Amendment. You know, we both believe in LGBTQ rights. Um, so we're pretty similar in those regards. But as far as like economics um i'm a little more to the right he's a little more to the left um but even at that we still are able to are able to have a a friendly dialogue and we're able to come up with solutions at least i think a lot easier than modern politicians are capable of doing and i think that's like i said earlier i think that's what is kind of missing in today's pol politics and we kind of want to set the example for other people our age to stop butting each other's heads off and come together as the American people and accomplish our goals and work together instead of being divided. Yeah, basically think a little bit bigger than the box that you don't even know you're in. Um, a lot of people are partisan, you know, and it, it blinds you. So if you go along just making everybody who disagrees with you an enemy, nothing is going to change at all. So, uh, just, I encourage those, uh, those talks about policy. Just the other day, I met a, a random person who was a creationist that didn't believe in science for the most part, but believed in climate change and supported, uh, Bernie Sanders for, you know, his stance on the $15 minimum wage because she's an she works in a nursing home. It's shit like that. Like I talk to somebody, I talk to people that disagree with me uh, pretty frequently, and sometimes we can agree on things. So I encourage that. Yeah, and um, you know, uh, Matt's um, a prominent Birdie Center supporter. Me, um, it sounded uh, like you said Birdie. Oh, did I? Okay, Bernie. <laughs> if I did say that, I meant to say Bernie Sanders, but um. I am. I actually used to be a Trump supporter, but then I kind of Matt kind of showed me the you know his research on Trump and like all those things when people are saying Trump is racist. I mean that really isn't like that really isn't made up. Like there is some you know very very racist things he's done in the past, and I, I can't find myself to be in agreement with him anymore, especially nowadays where he's trying to slowly chip away at the second amendment um so if you are wondering who i'm going to vote for president i would probably either vote for either tulsi gabbard or bill weld at this point um bill weld I, if you don't know who that is he was part of the libertarian party and now he's 
running as a Republican challenging Trump. He was the vice presidential candidate for Gary Johnson. I guess he was more of like the, you know, the moderate, uh, whatever, Republican. But uh, it'll be interesting because he, uh, I believe he said he is primary challenging Donald Trump. And if he can get some kind of support, you know, that, that'd be very in- entertaining to say the least. Um, as for who I'd vote for, yeah, I'd, I'd probably vote for uh, Bernie or Tulsi uh, Gabbard myself. Um, I, I'm kind of annoyed at the DNC for everything that's been going on these last few years. Kind of got, you know, woke, for lack of a better word. Um, but yeah, I, I care about a lot of different issues, including some that some uh, liberals would view as a right-wing issue, like the Second Amendment. Uh, I, I have a little bit more belief in the Second Amendment uh, than most people on the left because I don't believe in disarming yourself at a point where you are also claiming that the government is more corrupt and tyrannical than ever before. Um, and that's been, like, said for the longest time now by people on the left and the right. Like, tyranny is, you know, the the rule here. Yeah, t- tyranny has become, like, damn near a reality at this point. Yeah. Um, and I agree with Matt, you know, for sure that you can't, you can't claim that Donald Trump and the administration or the government as a whole are a bunch of tyrannical fascists and then advocate that you have stricter gun laws. You know what I'm saying? I understand a lot of people's concerns with, you know, the El Paso shooting, the shooting down Florida last year, and they're all very valid concerns, but I... We will have discussions about certain reason... We'll try to find a reasonable, like, solution to, uh, you know, the, the mass shootings issue. Um, and dig deeper into what really uh, is behind the minds or, you know, the eyes, I guess, of these people that go on these mass shootings and what they believe in, because that needs to be highlighted. I believe that those ideologies are more dangerous than uh, the gun itself is. It takes somebody with hate to kill. Yeah, I agree. Um, one last really quick thing before we move on, um, my whole thing is, and some people are going to disagree with me on this, but in my opinion, the decision to kill comes before the weapon of choice. Um, I'll get more into that as we actually discuss that topic in detail, but um, that's what I kind of believe. Also, please, people of the left, stop putting people on TV that don't know anything about guns, like, to talk about guns. Please, just stop. Like, I, I saw this other thing like this lady I think it was a lady I can't remember it's vague memory but this person said a double barreled magazine or something like that magazine extended clip yeah like Like that either that's pure emotion or complete ignorance and you shouldn't put somebody who doesn't know anything about guns to talk about gun safety period Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> um, moving on, though, um, 
Today, to kind of just kind of get things started, we're going to talk about um, the NAP, which, you know, is a right libertarian um, viewpoint, but I also believe that in a certain sense it does apply to left libertarians, such as Matt, um, and that, you know, the NAP, the non-aggression principle, um, is basically a moral a moral thought or moral stance that says that, um, in a sense that, you know, li- live and let live and don't ag- ingress on people's rights, their life, or their property. Um, you know, very obvious, very obvious violations of the NEP would be, for example, murder, rape, theft. Um, so we're not going to get into those because they're so obvious, but, um, the things we were kind of one of the, the little more difficult ones to talk about, um, like abortion, um, you know, uh, interventions, taxation, and um, things like that. Foreign policy, yes, that's a good one. I didn't even think about that. So, um, so I'm just gonna go ahead and kind of g- give an overview of the NAP. Yeah, um, I'm going to kind of plagiarize here for a little bit, but um, I'm reading this from Wikipedia, and Wikipedia says the non-aggression principle, um, or the NEP, is a ethical stance asserting that aggression is inherently wrong. In this context, aggression is defined as initiating or threatening any forceful interference with an individual or their property. In contrast to pacifism, it does not forbid forceful defense. Um, the NEP is considered by some to be a defiant principle of, light libertari- of right libertarianism, especially natural rights libertarianism. It also is a prominent idea in anarcho-capitalism, also called ancapism, classical liberalism, and monarchism. Um, and I and I kind of classify myself as right libertarian and a monarchist. Um, uh, excuse me. So, um, a good example. Well, I guess I already laid those off, but um, a little less, you know, a more subtle example of the NEP would be, um, I guess, in a sense, religious worldviews. Um, you know, I'd say everyone is definitely allowed to, you know, practice a religion as much as they like, but if you were to, let's say, Let's say, for example, people in like the Middle East, like a radical, 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 hardcore um, Islamicism. Um, Is that even a word? Just say Islamist. Islamist, yeah. Is, uh, okay, <laughs> that's my bad. But um, for example, you know, having religious law as law of the land—that's kind of that is forcing your religion on other people. You know, in a sense. Um, Basically, we're trying to avoid any form of theocracy, where literally the the government is by force enforcing um, its views on you. So it is inherently anti-libertarian, anti-freedom for anybody, whether you call yourself a libertarian or not. Theocracy is bad, always. Now... Of course, like, for example, really traditional social conservatives are against, you know, gay marriage, um, 
legalization of marijuana. And that's kind I think that's a violation of NEP because, um, you know, these people are consenting to do things to themselves by themselves or with another consenting adult. And it's, it's, it's ridiculous that people, you know, can't even do things with their own body that aren't harming anybody else. Another thing, um, we know the war on drugs itself is inherently, uh, I guess, racist and it's kind of a form of class warfare. Uh, it kind of divides us up and serves a purpose. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get into all that at a later point, but um, it's it's ridiculous that marijuana is a Schedule One drug uh, when it has not killed a single person in all of recorded history, despite any attempt that some boomer or or whatever you know establishment politician or like for example um chelsea clinton tried to insinuate that um marijuana may have mixed badly with somebody's heroin and that may have contributed to how they died of an overdose of heroin which they they don't call it an overdose of heroin and weed they call it a heroin overdose you know um so I, I kind of stand up to the left on bullshit like that. I call it out. I'm very pro-science. So, um, yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll move on from there, though. Um, another, I want to say really quick, um, the, NAP, the NAP is a good advocate for eliminating victimless crimes, which, you know, uh, Marijuana is, you know, pretty any drug really is, you know, a part of uh, of possessing and using a drug as a victimless crime. Um, another good example of victimless crime would be uh, prostitution. Um, or sex work in general. Yeah, sex work in general. I mean, you have one person, the sex worker, and you have the customer. Those two are engaging in a fully consensual, voluntary transaction, and what. Yeah. The only thing I worry about is the safety of the people that are doing it. Right. So, so I don't know if there can be some kind of like regulation to protect, you know, the sex workers or something. I don't know what it's like to be a sex worker, but I would be scared. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, um, if I was the customer, I'd be like, okay, well, I'm going to need some type of proof that you've gotten an STD checkup, yeah. you know, um, so oh. basic common sense things that are, you know, it, these things should exist if sex work is to be legal and safe and just, you know, destigmatized as gross uh, or evil or something. Uh, so my, my concern is just with the, the, the workers themselves. The safety aspect yeah. for them. Yeah. And you know, I'm I'm very pro sex work. I don't see anything wrong with it. You know, as long as they're of the age of consent, you know, then as long as both parties are the age of consent, then you don't know. be doing that creepy shit though, where you're like waiting for somebody to turn eighteen. Like that's a little bit creepy and awkward. Like, yeah, j- <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Um. Now onto one of the more um con- controversial things. Um. 
some libertarians um, in regards to abortion think that abortion all across the board is a violation of the NEP of against the child inside the mother where other libertarians to say that no um, it's the mother's right to choose now I'd say for the most part it's the mother's right to choose and I was talking to Matt about this a little bit earlier but I think in terms of you know childbirth and child development within the womb there comes a I guess it's a line that um, once you cross is it becomes more about preserving the the baby's life than it is the mother's now of course in situations where a doctor tells a woman you know you know if you give birth to this child then you will die then I fully believe that the mother has a right to, to choose you know whether she lives or the baby lives you know that that's just you know that's common sense um and I like to follow the science a lot on this because they're the experts on this and uh, what was the or, you know on anatomy and biology or whatever like there's a certain point where uh, all right for example I was reading uh, Carl Sagan uh, his last couple of books talked about abortion and kind of debunked the whole like life begins at conception bullshit and uh like, originally, I guess the Supreme Court in Roe versus Wade came to an agreement that uh, the vi- it was based on the time of viability of um, the, the fetus, I guess. I guess that's the right word. I- yeah. yeah anyway. Anyway, um, and they came at, you know, their answer was based on the science to the best of Carl Sagan's knowledge at the time. And they came to the end of, I guess the second trimester is where, uh, the fetus could be viable, you know, to be born and, you know, function. But basically, uh, the point of it is not to, or the point of us talking about abortion is to not like, force our view on anybody if i'm correct right yeah yeah but uh you know late term abortion is a very controversial thing and we are two men talking about it so we uh i don't know how to put it but we will have our perspectives and i i tried to be more open-minded to certain situations like um say this is like a really bad scenario but say you were uh you had a relationship and you were um having consensual sex and all of a sudden somebody else rapes you and like you don't know if you're pregnant uh from let you know the rapist or your boyfriend or whatever and uh I don't know, say you find out towards the end that it's the rapist or whatever. Uh, you know, I that's a tricky situation for, you know, abortion. I wouldn't want to live with a daily reminder of, you know, my trauma. Yeah, I uh, just imagine how emotionally and mentally 
that hard that must be for for the mother. You know what I'm saying? Like to carry around a baby that you know. I've seen for- some really messed up shit too lately, where like this this dude raped a woman and like sued her for for visitation rights of the baby. Yeah, that's just like ridiculous. Yes, it, it shit's way out of hand. Like, I don't know if she had access to abortion or if she was against it or what, but, or how old she was, I can't remember. I think she might have been underage at the time. Anyway, um, <laughs> shit like that is out of hand, and I don't know. I, I empathize. I definitely feel something very sad within me when I hear about shit like that. So that's why I'm very pro choice. Yeah, me too. Yeah. It's, you know, it it must be so hard for those women that have to go through that. And my heart goes out to them. Um, I can't even imagine what it's like, you know? Um, so I, I definitely, you know, have a bit of respect for them to, you know, go through that and make it out all in one piece. Um, uh, another kind of thing that uh, we were talking about that is a little more controversial as far as NAP is concerned is um, intervention. Um, so Matt was talking about intervention as far as, you know, foreign policy is concerned. Um, let's say a good example, I'd probably say would be the Assad regime in, in Syria. Um, you know, do do is the is the right thing to do to you know, go in there and put soldiers on the ground and stop this, you know, bad, I mean, um, Assad's regime, you know, is a bunch of nasty, nasty people. You know, look what they did to all those people and those innocent kids using gas on them. So, is it... And bombing their neighborhoods, completely destroying them? Yes. Like, so, is it... We don't really have... I guess I don't really have an answer for this. I'm just pointing out there is food for thought. uh, excuse me, food for thought, but would it be better to, you know, intervene with, you know, the military? Would it be better to, you know... Like a full force, not just air support. Yeah, like boots on the ground, you know, soldiers involved, the whole nine yards. Or would it be better to just send them support? Would it be better to, you know bring them here as refugees at the expense of, you know, uh, us and or the government? And, or would it be better just to leave them all alone altogether? Um, I guess I, I thought about this only for a little bit and I guess it all depends on the context, but I really don't have an answer for that. Um, that's a pretty tricky one because, uh, it's a complicated issue. You have insurgents, you have, you know, like ISIS or whatever, or ISIL. Um, you have certain, like, there's multiple sides being funded by the United States that are fighting each other and fighting Assad at the same time. So, there's no solid plan for that place. And whenever we do launch a large war, like the Iraq War, uh, we destabilize an area. Even when we took out Gaddafi in Libya, that destabilized them even more, and now they have um, a lot of terrorist groups that weren't uh, in any form of power there, at least comparably. Um, 
you know, when Gaddafi was in. And, you know, there's a, there's a need to discuss the, the reason why we go to war in these countries. It's not just oil. It's related, but there's a lot more. There's the petrol dollar, you know, when, all right. So I, if my understanding is uh, correct here, we base the price of oil off of the dollar or the petrol dollar, which is something the United States prefers. But a lot of these oil rich countries do not because it basically reduces the price of oil. Um, and it just doesn't serve their interest. So whenever a country decides they want to get off of it, like Iraq did, uh, there's only a few countries that don't use it, like Russia and I think China, you know, countries that we won't fuck with, but these smaller countries, if they try to switch from the petrol dollar to their own currency or something else, yeah, we, we end up fucking them up. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we end up fucking ourselves and the whole area in general and creating a lot of suffering. So we should just avoid that. That's my, my general uh, foreign policy belief is uh, intervention only when necessary. Like if there is an actual human crisis going on. Uh, also, we shouldn't be contributing to one with Saudi Arabia and Yemen right now. Agreed. You know, uh, that arms deal is just, I, I get why Trump did it, but he should have rescinded. Yeah, for sure. Um, another thing I kind of want to talk about, um, is, uh, for the NEP, uh, non-physical aggression. So things like, um, you know, verbal, sexual, or regular harassment, um, defamation, boycotting, non-invasive striking, non-invasive discrimination. Um, some critics, uh, uh, I'm reading this from Wikipedia, other critics state that the NEP is unethical because it does not provide for the violent prohibition of, and thereby supposedly legitimizes, several forms of aggression that do not involve intrusion on property rights, such as verbal sexual harassment, uh, defamation, boycotting, non-invasive striking, and non-invasive discrimination. Um, further reading, if a victim thus provoked, um, thus provoked would turn to physical violence, according to NAP, he would be labeled as an aggressor. Uh, supporters of the NAP, however, state that boycotting and defamation both constitute freedoms of speech and that boycotting, invasive, non-invasive striking and non-invasive discrimination all constitute freedoms of association and that both freedoms of association and the speech are not aggressive. Now, Personally, if you listen to what we said earlier, um, NEP, a violation of the NEP would be a, um, a threat of violence or interference with the individual or their property. Um, now, I would say that I myself have been a victim of harassment in the workplace and um, I, I I think that any kind of you know unwanted gesture, you know, obviously or, or threat or threat, you know, I mean, obviously small isolated incidences, like for example, and that's that is stayed on the on the EEOC's website don't count. But if there's a person that's 
you know, going out of the way to create a hostile work environment for you or to, you know, just make your life harder. Yeah. Especially with the sexual harassment thing. I, I believe that in my opinion, that is a thorough violation of the NAP. Um, some people might agree with me. Some people might disagree with me, but I mean, you're basically just being a dickhead because you can, you know, now it's one thing for me to say to Matt, Oh, well, fuck you. I don't like you. You know, that's not really threatening violence or, you know, being trying to be intimidating, you know? Um, but if I were to come up to Matt, if him and I are working together and I come up to Matt and say, you know, you better watch what you do or cause I'm going to, you know, come after you. Then I believe, I believe that's, that constitutes, you know, a violation of the NAP. What do you think, Matt? All right, yeah, so in situations like that where somebody is willingly making your life a living hell, they are doing it on purpose and it's clear and they don't give a fuck, it's definitely a violation of the NAP. Also, if, if they threaten you or any kind of thing like that, it's one. it's definitely one thing to say, fuck you, I don't like you, don't talk to me. Uh... You know, I don't want to hear about your life and that, that I can understand. Like, yeah, nobody wants to go to work and hear about other people's problems. However, if you can work together, I don't believe, I mean, if you can work together and actually get things done together without any hostility, that, that is not, you know, even if they said, fuck you from the start, like, right. You guys cannot like each other, but still. Like, only talk to each other if it's work-related, you know what I'm saying? If that level of peace is maintained, then I believe it's all right. That's not really a violation. Um, also, I believe uh, this is not work-related, but catcalling in the streets is a little ridiculous. Especially if a woman turns you down and then you keep, you know... Or, or in my, this happened to me once. <laughs> I was walking down the street, uh, downtown Milwaukee, and... This dude ran, like, this big dude ran, like, a block after me and tried to, like, solicit me. Like, that shit was weird and creepy. I'm a small dude. Like, it, I, I don't know. I'm totally against that shit, though. Like, just fucking be a good person. Not that hard. Don't be a fucking animal. Like, just respect people. That's the whole point of the NAP. Just respect people. Exactly, and... It's not, I don't believe it's that hard to be, be a civilized person in a civilized society, but you know, there are always, there are people who always be, will always be exceptions to that, you know, to that rule. Um, um, as far as speaking of work, um, let's say a union went on strike. Um, I've been in unions, even though I'm a right libertarian, I do believe in unions and collective bargaining because that in itself is a voluntary transaction between the workers and the company itself. Um, on, on top of that, it's just common sense to be for your own benefit. Like unions are typically strong uh, at you know protecting the workers' uh, insurance or their paid vacation or whatever. Just things that make life better for everybody. They, whether you are part of you know a conservative ideology and you hate paying the fees, you still have way better uh, insurance more than likely than uh, somebody who works at McDonald's. <laughs> right, exactly, because 
we all know that, like... Or Walmart. Yeah, or Walmart. Because we all know that companies and people with in the HR department of companies have, before in the past, singled out and put and paying targets on people's backs and have made very unfair, you know, job termina- um, terminations, you know, fired people. And it just... Uh, unions kind of act like as a lawyer when you're in that human resources room and say, hey, listen, you know, this is a violation of the contract. You haven't even given him a warning. Just trying to get rid of him off the bat for without any real justification for doing so. So um, I'm not going to go into details because I don't want, you know, to bring out names or anything. But um, my union steward that I work with directly at my job, he has say he has saved a person's job because um, of a mistake that the company actually made, but was actually trying to pit on the employee. So unions are also good for things like that too, you know, st- sticking up for their fellow man, protecting your job. Yeah, protecting and, your job, and you know, having competitive, real competitive wages. You know, something that makes people want to work for that company or be a part of that union, or be a part of that, that workforce in general for that area uh, of the economy, whether it's, you know, people that pull cable, or, um, I mean, work in warehouses, or whatever, unions are not your enemy. I mean, I get, maybe there's some unions out there that are bad, but I haven't heard anything. However, unions are... Uh, for the greater good uh, of people, whether you are left, right, or even an anarchist. Yeah, like. I definitely. Um, you know, the whole thing is, is people that work in the u- that are part of the union rely on the company for a job. The company relies on workers in the union to get their job done. So we had this ecosystem where we where they rely on each other to, you know stay in business and keep making money. And and it just makes sense to have the level of respect to where, you know, they allow unions to form so that, you know, they could, you know, the unions can look out for their fellow man and the company can look, can look out for its own interest by itself, you know? Um, and, um, one last thing, uh, I think, you know, we've got a pretty good opening episode so far. So I just want to say that, um, the NEP, I wouldn't say we should live by as an absolutist rule rather than just a rule of thumb or a more relative concept, you know, um, of course exempt, you know, murder, rape and assault and things like that. That's pretty, that's, that's a given, but as far as the more nuanced things, you know, I, I believe it's better that we live by it as a relative concept than an absolutist rule. What do you think, Matt? Yeah, the the general nature of it is to just do as less harm as, or as, you know, least harm as possible uh, to others while respecting your own rights and hopefully having your rights respected in return. Um, you know, there's elements of it that are flawed, but that's with every single concept that has ever come up. There's always an exception to the rule. But overall, the the NAP, I believe, is practiced by most people who don't even know it. So, yeah. I agree, I agree. Um, And 
Yeah, I think it's just uh, a policy that, you know, the United States of America, we should um, kind of all live by. And certain legislation, certain legislation regarding victimless crimes and victim crimes, you know, we should definitely follow that as a rule of thumb. And other things, you know, like I said, just um, treat as a relative concept. Um, but yeah, um, this is um, this has been our first episode, and we're kind of just doing this to get our names out there. And we're more than oh, what's up? We we should have done this earlier, but we didn't say how old we were. Oh yeah, that's a yeah, that's a good one. I'm yeah. I'm 27. Matt is 20. No, oh, well, no, but. I'm 27. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, how old are you? I'm 27 you now. You're 27. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Um. No, that was. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot your birthday was recently. Yeah, but my birthday was in July. But um. Yeah. Um. I hope you guys. We hope you guys enjoyed this. Um. We welcome any feedback. Um. To this and how we can improve because, you know, um, this is our first one, so I'm sure there's always room for more improvement. Um. So. Give it a listen and let, let us know what you guys think. Um, do you have anything to say, Matt? One of these days, um, long down the road, if anybody is wondering how we got our name, we will we will definitely tell that story. Yes, that that's top secret confidential shit, and we'll maybe reveal that one day if you know if it comes time. But <laughs> um, thank you guys for watching, and we will see all of you in the next one. Have a good day. Thank you.